Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Career Services Assistant Director Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show... I'm Diana Linville. I'm a senior instructor and assistant director in the School of Computer Science and Information Systems here at Northwest. Welcome. We're very excited to have you on the podcast. Yay! Thank you. Especially since you sent all of your students to our recent speed networking event. (laughs) I did. Double high fives for you. Well, it's an awesome event, so it's very beneficial. All right. So tell us, how did you find Northwest? How did you come to be at Northwest? So I grew up in a small town, actually very close to Maryville, Missouri. So I've always known about Northwest. So when I graduated, I came here. I actually was a computer science major when I came to Northwest and actually finished with a computer science uh, degree, uh, which is kind of rare. A lot of people change their majors along the way, but I had a um, high school math teacher that influenced me to to try computer science and I enjoyed it. So yeah. Plus my mom went to Northwest as well. So. And fun fact, we went to the same high school actually. So. <laughs> we did. We did. So who was the math teacher? I'm, I'm curious. Well, actually he was a math teacher and then he became our principal and it was Mr. McIntosh. Okay. I don't know if you remember him. Yep. Yeah. He was the one who I, I enjoyed math at the time and Mr. Tabney, I had Mr. Tabney as my math teacher. And he was the one who kind of said, Hey, you should look into computer science. Cause at that time, you know, we had computers in school, but computer science wasn't really talked about or discussed. You know, we didn't have exposure to it. So that is very interesting. So what aspects of computer science interested you the most, or once you got into the classes, what did you enjoy learning about? I liked the creative aspect of it and I liked the problem solving. And I think that's why I enjoyed math so much was I liked the problem solving. And so the part of computer science that I really enjoy is the problem solving aspect, you know, finally getting something to work that you really want it to work and finding that end result and making it work and making it do what you want it to. That's very satisfying. And now you're a professor, so you've got all kinds of problems to solve all the time, right? (laughs) I do. And some of them are not computer science related. So (laughs) We sort of already drove you off the rabbit trail, off the path. But after you graduated from Northwest, where did you go from there? I did not have a job when I graduated, actually. I substitute taught math um, at a high school for a month. And then I got a job here at Northwest as a PC specialist. So I worked in the day at the time, it was the data processing office. Um, And then also, so I worked half days data processing in the mornings. And then I worked in the afternoons in client computing. That's what it was called at the time. And so I actually started working at Northwest and I worked as a PC specialist um, for nine years before I started teaching full-time. During that time, I did adjunct teach for the department. The department of computer science is what it was called then. I always taught even after I graduated, um, but I didn't start teaching full-time Um, until about 11 years ago. What did you do as a dad, like when you were data processing? Number one, I just have to hear about this. What did that involve? And then be, you know, client computing. What were, what were the tasks involved in those two? 
So data processing was pulling a lot of reports for people at the university. Um, I can't even tell you. We used a lot of like SQL, my SQL um, to do that. And then we did a lot of printing at the time. We had these very huge printers. Like they, they looked like a huge washing machine um, that sat in the middle of the room and we had to print reports on them. We also did every Friday night, I had to come in at like five o'clock and I had to stay till midnight to do the backups of all the servers. So that was kind of the data processing aspect. And then in the afternoons, um, I worked with client computing, kind of still what they do now. You go out and work on the machines around campus, on the computers around campus. So for anyone who had any technical problems. So yeah, lugged a lot of hardware at that, at that age. <laughs> That's interesting, though, that you were in the hardware side, not the software side with a computer science degree. That's I think a lot of times when you hear computer science, you think programming, you think, you know, making things and not the actual machines themselves. But that's an important part of the industry, too. Well, and we did, you know, along with the hardware, had to work with a lot of the software that was on the staff's, you know, computers, a lot of different types of software, um, as you probably are aware, and, you know, building load sets. Um, and those types of things. So um, we worked a little bit with the software, but no, it was not programming, which again, you know, my students, their first three classes are strictly programming. And so they think that's all there is. And there's just so much more out there. So did you always feel like you kind of wanted to teach? No, <laughs> I didn't. I really did not plan on teaching. I've always just kind of gravitated towards that. I actually taught at the Northwest Tech School as well to adults um, in that program, computer skills and so forth, uh, when I was um, going through and then kind of after I graduated. And so I don't know, I've just always kind of taught, but I never thought that I would teach um, full time. But fun fact, I have a lot of teachers in my family. Your mom was one of my favorite teachers in high school, in fact. <laughs> so I was had my mom, yeah. <laughs> yes, she was she was awesome. My mom was a teacher, my aunt's a teacher. Um, I had another I had two aunts that were teachers. Um, so the family business. <laughs> I guess. They say they say there's something to that sometimes. So when did you make the decision, you know, you were working in client computing and in that sort of when did you make that decision to go back and get that master so that you could teach at the college level? I actually um, started working on my master's a year after I graduated. And that was mainly because um, I did at that time think, oh, I might want to teach someday because I was adjunct teaching for the department at the time. And that was another reason why too, um, to, well, to continue adjunct teaching, I needed to get my master's. So yeah, I, I got my master's. I'm not going to say years. I'm trying to remember how long it took me um, for when I graduated, I think it was two years. I worked on it for two years. Um, so I took, I think I took a year off and then I went back a year later and started working on it and took advantage of the tuition reimbursement as well. Since I was working at Northwest, it was just kind of one of those things where you should, you know, take advantage of those opportunities that companies um, give you. And so that was one that I took advantage of. I do think that is... Once you've worked at Northwest or been exposed to the benefit of that, it's one of the biggest perks that you can take advantage of. I do tell students all the time, you know, whether it's here, working here or working in another place, always ask about, you know, what opportunities they they have to support you in continuing 
your education if you so desire. Some of them don't desire, but right. <laughs> honestly, I didn't desire <laughs> when right. I graduated. I was done. Yeah. Um, so yeah. obviously I, I'm here still. So it, it came back to bite me along the way. <laughs> but um, so talk to us about teaching. What is your favorite part of teaching? What do you maybe your favorite part and your least favorite part? My favorite part is probably, well, it's of course working with the students, but it's also like teaching them or working with them, like when they explore things, like I love when they explore things, because then I feel like you're really teaching that love of learning. And especially in computer science, you know, explore different things that happen, you know, when you write code and, and that leads to growth in themselves and a better understanding of what they're doing. So yeah, obviously working with the students, I love working with the students. So then on the flip side of that, my worst part is, <laughs> is um, conflict. I'll say that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm a middle child. I have the middle <laughs> child syndrome. I am a peacekeeper and I don't like to deal with conflict. So that's a very diplomatic way to put it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you've taught computer science since it was the Department of Computer Science. So I would imagine out of all of the fields we teach here, that one's probably changed the most in the amount of time that you've been doing it. How do, as a professor, how do you kind of stay on top of a field that is constantly changing? I mean, it's really like probably one semester to the next, you could have things that are different or new. How do you keep on top of that? I have wonderful colleagues, so uh, we do share a lot of information, and that is extremely helpful. Um, if I was, you know, one person in, you know, one department, um, as a lot of our, you know, K through 12 teachers face, that is, you know, makes it a lot more difficult to be able to stay current. And so, you know, all of us have different avenues that we use or, you know, that we read or investigate. And, you know, we're always sharing those, those techniques and things that are evolving. And that's really probably my biggest resource right there. Okay. Let's pretend I'm the director of career services and I have no computer skills that may or may not be true. <laughs> computer skills, But I'm interested in computer science. What skills would you recommend that I maybe pick up or try to obtain? Maybe that would be helpful for me if I was looking for a job. It depends on how deep you want to go. I will say that. But obviously those first skills of, you know, how to, how to use Excel in depth, not just, you know, your basics, rows and columns, but really like formulas and, and macros and so forth. You know, those basic skills within, you know, the office suite, I'll say that. If you're looking a little bit deeper, HTML and CSS are, you know, any kind of web development, uh, those are good ones to start with. And I'm probably maybe a little biased because I teach those, but <laughs> they're definitely a very fundamental type of coding. And a lot of students can understand HTML and CSS a little bit easier than they can if you're starting into like a object-oriented programming. So, and that gives you a little bit of understanding of websites. And having an understanding of websites is beneficial because everything you use uses HTML and CSS, your, your websites on your phones, you know. So those are kind of a couple of things that I would probably recommend if someone was interested in exploring computer science as well. Those would be like the classes that I would kind of say, 
to gravitate towards. Travis and myself, we both learned HTML and CSS the hard way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By making and breaking. <laughs> well, that's sometimes the best way to learn because you'll remember it. Mm -hmm, absolutely. <laughs> uh, one thing that, that I really like about the School of Computer Science is you guys have a really active um, professional advisory council of like pros that go out and then come back and, and tell you, you know, what you should be changing with curriculum. Do you want to talk about maybe some of the folks that are involved with that? Because I don't think students, even in your school, probably don't realize, you know, some of the really awesome people that are contributing to what you teach in the classes here. Yeah, so we do have an amazing professional advisory team. Carol Spradling started that a long time ago. Um, she was really, you know, got that implemented. Um, and so we do have some wonderful individuals on there. We have um, several like VPs within their companies, you know, whether that be Cerner, which we hear a lot about, you know, at Northwest. But we have representation from all over. We have representation from Kansas City, um, Omaha, Des Moines, St. Joe, and Maryville. You know, we Nucor has been on our professional advisory team, given great feedback on there. I won't name names since <laughs> a podcast, but um, you know, Mosaic has has been on there before um, as well. So you know, we have Principal Financial Group, we have Garmin, American Century Investments. They've always been very active. We have Federal Reserve Bank; they're very active as well. So, and we even have some from, you know, Washington, D.C., <laughs> but I won't name names. So we do have a little bit of reach there when they, when they can come back and advise. But yes, active group, they give back to the university in a lot of different ways. Um, and we really appreciate them. And they do usually do a student panel for us as well. And um, so the students are able to come and talk with some of them. They don't, they're not all able to do the panel and that would be too many for a panel anyway, but the ones that can stay, um, do stay and do talk to our students. Um, so we do offer that in February when they're here. What advice do you have for maybe a fresh computer science grad? Let's pretend like I'm graduating in December. I like to make up uh, for whatever reason today I'm in like pretend <laughs> mode. Um, but if I was graduating in December, what would you recommend um, that I do to prepare myself? Well, you should have your resume ready. So you should have talked to career services. You should be uh, looking and applying for jobs. Um, you should be going to career day or planning to go to career day. I would also um, participate in mock interview day. I have had students get jobs from mock interview day. So a lot of students think, oh, it's just mock interview. But really, I mean, I have had students get jobs and internships from that. So any opportunity, any opportunity to network with companies um, or professionals, you should definitely be taking advantage of that. I also would start researching companies where you where you want to be because applying for a job in Seattle, but you want to live in Kansas City, you know, you're not going to be a fit for that company. And so really target companies that you're interested in working for, look at their their motto, look at their ethical values. I mean, what do they stand for? Do you want to work for them? Because, you know, they're looking for someone who fits them, but you also need to look for something that fits you. Yeah. I think one of the things we see a lot with computer science students who are getting to graduate is they look at tech companies, but they don't necessarily look outside of that. And it's like, mm -hmm. In 2022, every company has computer science needs. Everybody has a website. Everybody, 
you know, a lot of them are making apps and things like that. I remember there's a story from career day from years ago. We had Mr. Goodsense come and nobody went to talk to them because nobody wanted to make sandwiches. Well, they were trying to make a mobile app to order at the time. So they wanted computer science students. So it didn't have anything to do with sandwiches, but that's a sandwich company. So, I mean, computer science is really one of the fields that's a wide open choice. Like you can pick almost any company out there and they probably have a computer science job or several that you could apply for. Yep. That's a great point, Travis. I have another interesting question here. I've been visiting a lot with students, maybe from creative disciplines, but I think it also applies to to computer science. What are your thoughts on having a portfolio? Oh, that's kind of a tough question. <laughs> are you talking like like an electronic portfolio kind of thing? Is that what you're thinking? I guess I'm thinking that. Is GitHub important? As a computer oh. science student, is it is how do I showcase? So if I've done projects in my classes, like what's the best way to showcase that? GitHub is very important. Um, I tell my students that every day. Uh, we use it. In, I use it in several of my classes. I don't know that it's as important in the CS field to you know have that like on a resume when you're applying for a job. I tell my students that they should definitely list that and they should definitely talk about it um, in an interview. If it progresses from there where they're like, well, we'd like to see some of your work, then that's when they can share like their GitHub, you know, repo with that person. So again, our professionals tell us, you know, that the resume is really where they're going to catch them. You know, they look through a lot of resumes. And so they don't really talk too much about portfolios because they don't want to dig that deep necessarily to begin with. Now, Again, it kind of depends on what you're applying for. If you're a graphic design major, then you are going to want to have that portfolio ready. But for CS, really, our professional advisory team, they don't talk about looking at portfolios necessarily. And I do think maybe that might be something that evolves, though, too, as you get more experience in your jobs. But a lot of that could be copyrighted as well, that the company owns that. So that may be something you can't share anyway. So they really don't talk about portfolios. Do you find, you know, we have those uh, computer science again, because it is such a crucial part of so many industries now. Are you finding we're having more students who aren't necessarily CS majors take CS classes? I know we have like the digital media major that's kind of three different academic areas and you take classes out of each. Are you finding that you have students who do things like that, that are kind of cross-platform and then cross your paths versus just being a traditional computer science or management information systems major? I see a few in um, the first web development class, the web development one class. I'll see a few in there, but really I don't teach a lot of the what, the first level of classes. Uh, so, you know, I'm teaching a lot of like programming too, and I don't see a lot of non-majors in there, but I know like in our foundations of computing class, I do think we do have quite a few non-majors in that class that, that are, you know, exploring a little bit of that, even though they're not a CS major. So I will take more though. (laughs) (laughs) Sign up for that class. (laughs) Sign up for any computer class. It will be beneficial for you. Anything else? Words of wisdom, advice? I'm open to anything. Advice? I would just say, again, networking is like my big pet peeve with my students. I actually have a daughter who started college this year and she's already tired of me 
<laughs> being that mom that's like, have you gotten involved? Have you gotten involved? <laughs> so get involved, network with people. You know, I tell my students all the time, these are people who are going to get jobs and in other companies and they're, you know, a connection that you have if a job were to come open, you know, in that company that you're interested in. And so networking isn't just about what they can, what you and them can do for each other right now when you graduate. It's about, you know, a lifetime. So I really push that a lot with my students. For your students, what's the best way to network? Is it best to do it at an in-person event, like, you know, that the school's putting on or that career service is putting on? Is it, you know, LinkedIn? Is that enough? What's what's the best way for them to make those connections if they're looking for those jobs in tech or in computer science? You know, I know as a student, you're, you're it's hard to put yourself out there. So my biggest thing is to network with your peers, because again, they're going to go get jobs hopefully. <laughs> and you're going to go get a job, hopefully. And again, keeping those connections throughout, you know, your career uh, with each other, that's, that's really important because they're getting jobs in those fields and they're going to have those connections in those fields. Along with that though, you should connect and network with peers across the university as well. Because like you said, Travis, computing is everywhere. And so they may go to a company and know of a, you know, a job within that company, even though they're, you know, in a completely different area. So really for, for college students, I really encourage them mainly to start networking with their peers, because I do know how uncomfortable they are to go up and talk to a professional. With that being said, you know, um, I also encourage them to network with their faculty because their faculty know about their jobs are about jobs that are out there, kind of like Travis when he sends us jobs, you know, but and going to those career events where they get to talk to professionals, because that's a more relaxed environment than having to go, say, to a networking event in Omaha or Kansas City. And while I still tell students about those things, and there are students who have the personality that can just put themselves out there and go to those, that's great. Uh, but if you're, you know, you can't, then just starting with those events at career services that you put on um, is a way to start talking to professionals and get more comfortable doing that. So, you know, organizations, peers, those types of things are really important. You know, the events you do with the professionals and networking with those professionals is really important. I had a student once who got his internship because he went to something at the president's house here. Like, I don't even know how he did it. I mean, he was a wonderful <laughs> student, but he actually met, he actually met one of my professional advisory team members at the president's office event that was going on. And he had a consulting company at the time. And he said, Hey, I've got some work that I need done. And so he actually got a job and, and we used it as an internship as well with that person. And then that just led, led to more opportunities. So networking just anywhere is is important that's really great and i have to admit so we're going to finish this interview and i have a meeting with one of your students because oh. they were so impressive um and i told them to come back and they oh. showed up they're out there in Yay. the hallway waiting for me so oh wonderful um, your your message is coming through <laughs> oh good this is for a job or just for it's for networking. We'll find out. <laughs> we will have jobs posted soon. So yes, I it could love it. Be. I love it. And that's so one of the beautiful things about career services that probably people don't know is that of course we have around 20 student employees and we only hire 
one time a year. We open our job October 1st and we close it October 31st. And we do that very purposefully because we want to focus on hiring a diverse, you know, robust student employment team. Um, But the problem is, as most people who post jobs, it's a very common problem, right? Getting those applicants in. So in the last couple of years, we've been trying to be really, really purposeful about recruiting students for our own positions. So we know how it is for employers as well when they're trying to recruit for you know positions. It's hard to find people who are willing and, and capable to apply for your positions. Um, so yeah, you just send us students and, and we'll send them and get them signed up. And the more students we have who apply and interview with us, the better. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm super excited. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yes. Yes. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time.